I really found a home in the PTA in their advocacy mission. They strive to speak for every child with one voice, and I really connected with that. And as I got more and more involved in advocacy, I started to find ways to serve in my community. The voice you just heard belongs to State Representative Shelley Kloba, who's making her second visit to the podcast today. We'll put that snippet into context in a minute, but first this. You're listening to Capital Ideas, the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Back to Shelley. She's now beginning her second two-year term representing the excellent people of the 1st Legislative District, which includes parts of Northeast King County and South Snohomish County and comprises areas of Kirkland, Bothell, Mount Lake Terrace, and Briar. Shelley lives in Kirkland, and she's just been elected vice chair of the brand new House Committee on Innovation, Technology, and Economic Development. We recorded this a few days ago, and here it is. Welcome, Representative Shelley Kloba. I really am glad to have you back here for an encore performance on Capital Ideas. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure. Last time we got together, we talked about marijuana. We're going to touch on that again today a little bit, but to begin with, I want to find out who are you, why, why are you here, and what can you tell people about Shelley Kloba? Well, I have a pathway that I think is not necessarily the standard one that you would expect to see. I didn't know early on that I was interested in serving the legislature, but I was interested in our government and as a high schooler went on a trip to visit the Capitol in in, uh, Washington, D.C., and was very intrigued and really just learned about things according to what I thought my role as a citizen of democracy was. But it was many years later after my daughter was born, and she headed off to school, and I joined the PTA, and I really found a home in the PTA in their advocacy mission. They strive to speak for every child with one voice, and I really connected with that. And as I got more and more involved in advocacy, I started to find ways to serve in my community. And so, you know, there was an opening on the park board in Kirkland where I live, and I thought, well, I connected with a lot of parents and kids, and they are high users of parks, and so um, maybe I can bring that voice to our park board. And, you know, one thing led to another, and there I was serving as a city council member for three years and still working to bring that voice of kids and families into our community conversations. But working parallel to that, you know, that was sort of in my off hours. I've had uh, more than 20 year career as a massage therapist and I work in the physical therapy realm of things and it was really very rewarding to work with patients who were injured and get them back to functioning again and diminish their pain and so I really bring that patient-centered focus to my work as well. I don't serve on the health care committee but I certainly look through that lens at any of the bills that uh, come uh, before me. You are now beginning your second two-year term as a state legislator from the first district here. Let's talk about the 2019-20 biennium, which is upon us. Two of the areas that you have focused on quite a bit during your first two years as a legislator have been commerce and gaming. You were vice chair of that committee during your first two years and the transportation committee, uh, another body that you're a member of. Those are two key areas 
in this upcoming session. We already know that, largely on the commerce and gaming side because of cannabis issues and the fact that sports betting is now going to be something that the state has to deal with, and transportation because transportation. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about what your focus is going to be in the coming two years. In terms of the entire Commerce and Gaming Committee, I did get very interested in some of the issues that come before that committee. I feel like the research in cannabis is really important, and it was something that the voters approved of as a part of I-502. There was the expectation that a certain amount of funding would go towards research, and so far that funding has been somewhat anemic. I think that as legislators in really kind of a, a brand new world, we really need to have information in front of us so that we can make better decisions, very data-informed decisions. And so there's a Center for Cannabis Research at the University of Washington, and they do some cooperative work with Washington State University, and they are ready to go with a number of different research projects that would help us as decision makers, and anywhere from medical usage of cannabis to what are the best messages in social media and otherwise that can diminish the amount of youth access, what are the best growing conditions for cannabis so that, you know, just like any other crop that farmers might grow in this state, there is a ton of research about how to get the best yield. From an economic development perspective, I think we need that kind of data for farmers who are growing cannabis. We also can take a look at what is the best way to assess a person's impairment. When we think about alcohol, we have a lot of data that backs up our limit of 0.08. We don't have that data for cannabis, and it has not only that public safety implication, there's also implications in employment. Right now, employers basically are able to say, you know, it's a very binary system. Either you have THC in your system or you don't. And that really neglects the reality that there is a potential that a person might have occasional use during off hours away from their employment that doesn't impact their regular performance during the workday. And it also neglects to make allowances for folks who are using cannabis in a medical rationale. And oftentimes, from what I hear anecdotally, the use of cannabis allows them to be able to work and do other activities in their lives that their condition might have otherwise prevented. So I really think we need to get a handle on these topics and many others so that we can make some really evidence-based decisions. Another topic and that you had mentioned earlier, Dan, was sports betting. This summer, their Supreme Court of the United States handed down a decision that basically removed the prohibition on sports betting in this country, outside of a couple of places where it was allowed. Las Vegas was one that was allowed. But now it is not prohibited in other states. And so we as a legislature will probably have to start taking a look at what is the demand for sports betting? What are the economic relations of both 
what kind of money can be made and what will it cost us to create a regulatory system or actually add it to our current gambling regulatory system. How many people would be interested and what do we need to do and what are our obligations as a state to make sure that it is safe and fair. So I look forward to those conversations. The perennial issue here in Washington State, and especially in your district and the districts that are close to this one, is transportation. 2019-20 doesn't look like it's going to be any different from the past 10 biennia in terms of the fact that transportation is going to be a key issue again. As a representative of the first district where it is such a crucial issue, what are you looking at for the next couple of years? Well, certainly we are impacted by traffic and congestion We, as a district, have 405 as well as 522 and Highway 9 running through us. And accessibility is an everyday, really kind of a meat and potatoes issue for so many of my constituents. One of the things we were able to do last session was to get some funding from the 405 Toll Fund to expedite a project that is on the books for expanding some capacity on 405 at the 522 intersection. It was originally slated for completion in 2028, and with the funding that we got into the budget, we will be able to accelerate that so that it's completed in 2024, and it will coincide with the bus rapid transit when that service is going to begin on that corridor. So it was really crucial in order to maximize those investments. The tolling, which has been controversial from the beginning, without getting into the bigger picture of all the data that have been brought in by this, There is a success story, which is that the tolling is allowing the acceleration of some of these repairs that are going to affect people right here in your district. That's true. So one of the aspects about the tolling that's interesting to me is unlike the gas tax, which funds a lot of our transportation projects, that is a statewide bucket of money, if you will. The 405 tolls go into a specific account that is only allowed to be spent on the 405 corridor. So it's a very specific set of things that you can spend that money on, and those things are going to benefit us more directly. That's a feature that we need to make sure we're considering. I certainly get mixed reviews of the tolling from a variety of constituents. There's opinions on both sides of whether we should or shouldn't. But the reality is we currently are, and why not make the best use of those funds in our district so that it can help us. I know you've got other meetings today, and I've kept you here for quite a while. I appreciate, first of all, your patience, and second of all, I would like to say before we close out here, what else might you like to talk about that I haven't brought up? One of the things that has gotten onto my radar, um, as you recall, I started out in education child advocacy, and so that is still a place that's very near and dear to my heart. I've had great conversations with constituents in my district who have children with needs for special education. 
their advocacy has shown me that you know their children are doing fine because they're able to speak up and advocate on their behalf but there are a lot of children who we are not serving appropriately in our educational system and they don't have folks standing up for them so some of the things that we will be looking at there's a group of legislators that will be focusing on a collection of bills But one of them is to address the funding multiplier. We have per student funding in the range, I mean, approximately $10,000 per student right now. And of course, you can imagine that a child who needs help with reading or help with their math skills or behavioral supports or any other type of supports that help for not only an intellectual disability, but also a physical disability. And sometimes those are multiple disabilities uh, that all are issues for any particular child. We need to make sure that we have the resources that we need for them. And so there's a multiplier of that basic per student funding that gets added to the money that we're able to spend on the child who needs the special services. Another thing that we will be taking a look at is we have a special ed advisory council who is putting out a report on the safety net funding. And so that's the additional funding that we spend on students, particularly those with a greater set of needs. I think it's generally understood that it's not currently adequate. So I look forward to the recommendations that they'll do. And I really think that we need to make sure that our teachers have the skills and the tools that they need to create more inclusive classrooms. Students who need special services have a federally protected legal right to education in the least restrictive environment. And there's plenty of research that shows that children who are in an inclusive classroom, not only the child with the physical and or intellectual disabilities, but also the children who are developing normally, all can benefit when we have that kind of inclusive space. So making sure that teachers have the tools and the knowledge they need and the resources they need to appropriately create those kinds of environments, I think, ends up being a benefit to all of us, and those are good investments for us to make. So I'm really looking forward to the work that we will be doing on that. Thank you, Shelley. I wish you the best of luck in the coming two years. And again, I appreciate you stopping to talk with Capital Ideas today. Well, thanks for letting me share. It's really my pleasure to serve and work on some of these big issues. We'll get back to you in a while and see how things are going. Great. Thank you so much, Dan. We've been talking with Representative Shelley Kloba of the 1st Legislative District, and this has been Capital Ideas. If you feel like the last 12 minutes were time well spent, why not subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your state government, and what goes on here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. Thank you for listening.